Hi, everybody. This is Pastor Tim from Holy Trinity Evangelical Lutheran Church in Newington, New Hampshire. This is our weekly podcast of the sermon from the prior Sunday. Normally at this time, I have invited everybody to join us for worship at 8, 30, and 11. Uh, but right now we're in the midst of the global pandemic, and so we are not having worship in our building at 8, 30, and 11. Instead, you can find us online doing virtual worship using Zoom. You can find the information for all of that on our website at www.htelc.com. You can also like us on Facebook. And uh, those are the two primary ways in which to find our links to have worship with us. So it doesn't matter where you are, as long as you have an internet connection, you can join us for worship. So thank you for listening. We hope that you find the sermon meaningful and purposeful, that it connects to your life and how you interact with the world. And most of all, it reveals God's infinite love for you and all of creation. Our gospel reading is John 14, 1 through 4. A newer member of the congregation, Wendy, is going to read it for us, and she introduces herself a little bit here as well. Hi, my name is Wendy Myers, and if you don't know me, I'm kind of new at Holy Trinity, and I'm going to be reading the gospel today. It's from the book of John, chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. Um, I'm in the backyard in Newburyport. I have two dogs with me, but only one is being cooperative right now, so you may see the other one. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I would go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father also. From now on, you know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me with the Father, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. The Gospel of the Lord. The Word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Winnie. It looks like we did see your other dog run back and forth a couple of times during that, so that was great. This is a really, uh, so many things in which you could talk about in this passage. Um, It's one that's frequently used on funerals. Uh, I go to my father's house, and if I go, I prepare a place for you. So there's great comfort in that. There's great, um, people like to hear that in a moment in which a loved one has died, to hear words that Jesus is saying, there is some place else that, you know, it talks about death is not the end. But I want to go to something that happens at the, that Jesus says at the end that I think we all have heard before, um, 
but maybe we have a hard time understanding it. And when Jesus says, anyone who believes in me will also do the works that I am in doing. And in fact, will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. How many people have confidence that you can do greater works than Jesus? Raise your hand. I like Peter's confidence. <laughs> Hopefully by the time we are done, you will all have a little more confidence. So if I were to say, if you can do works greater than Jesus, you might actually raise your hand. But I think typically a response is no, we can't. We hear the scripture and it is uh, law. It's commanding us to do something we ultimately can't, right? If you think about the things Jesus has done, you think of miracles frequently. How many people can walk on water? I can't. How many people can raise someone from the dead? Not me. How many people wish they could turn water into wine? Especially now, right? Right? Um, how many people, you know, can make feed 5,000 people on five loaves and two fish? I can't do that. You know, you can't do those things. And so it comes across as law to us to reveal us who we are. We are sinful people who need Christ. It reveals us and are lacking and drives us to Christ. It functions as the law. But I want to challenge that a little bit. Oftentimes when we think of a miracle, we think of something that it can't be explained how it's done. Correct? I don't know how Jesus walked. He, it's, he's God at some level in human form. So he's able to do these other things. Uh, I don't know how he raised him from the dead. It just was something because God, uh, Jesus is, is God at some level. He's able to do these things. But if you think about it, we do some things now that 2,000 years ago, they would not be able to explain, Correct that we might have an understanding of how it works. But back then, they would have no clue. And let's not just say 2,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago, we are doing things today that then would have been thought impossible. 500 years ago, that is the case, right? 100 years ago, 50 years ago. I can't walk on water, but how many people have been in a plane and flown somewhere? That's a miracle. Now, we might be able to explain how that happens. But no offense, I think that's a miracle. Um, you know, I cannot raise Lazarus from the dead, but we have the miracle of modern science, don't we? There are heart transplants. There are medicines. I have a daughter with diabetes that, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, it would have been a much different outcome for her right now. But now she wears a pump. She has a constant glucose monitor. Um, and her lifestyle is greatly different than would have been 50, 100,000, 2,000 years ago that people have had these diseases. It's still a miracle, even if we know how it occurs. I think it is still a miracle. So what I want to change is not thinking about a miracle being how it occurred, and that's what defines a miracle. But maybe a miracle is more about the why. Why it occurred. What is the thought process or the feeling or the emotion behind it? Uh, one way in which a miracle has been reinterpreted to 
it might explain it. Some people might like it. Some people may not. But if you think about the feeding of the 5,000, there are some, uh, some people think, and I had this conversation in seminary, and I'm okay with this is the way it occurred, that the miracle isn't that the basket was like a never ending, that you took out a loaf of bread and you look back in, it looks like nothing was gone. But maybe the miracle was that when people gathered and they saw one young boy share what he had, they were all compelled to share whatever they had as well. And if we all share what we have together, we have more than what we think we need. And so the miracle isn't this basket that never ended. The miracle is the fact people thought outside of themselves and thought about the good of the whole and not just their own survival. And they were out in the wilderness somewhere and shared what little bit they have. And if we all share the little bit that we have, we have more than enough. And so the miracle is the change in mind or the change in attitude. And I think if we look at it that way, I think we are capable of some miracles. And let's be honest, the world needs some miracles today, doesn't it? The world is not working in some ways in which if we could change our attitude, our beliefs, our emotions, perhaps things would be a little bit differently, would be a little bit different. Because I can't, if you want to use the word magic up, food out of nowhere to feed all these people. I am capable of getting some food or providing some food. I'm so proud of the work that End uh, 68 Hours of Hunger is doing, but it needs to have more. Did you know in Dover, 200 children a week provide, are provided with food from that program? In Summersworth, that's 135 kids. Out in North Conway or Conway area, that's 100 kids. You know, we don't need to hope a miracle occurs that food just appears out of somewhere. But instead, we need to figure out how do we make sure that people get the food that they need and that we're not willing to sit around idly by knowing that there are people in this world that just don't have enough basic necessities in life and we are moved to do something about it. We are willing to take off our blinders. 18% of children under 18 are food insecure. Twice as likely, so out of that, you're twice as likely if you are a Hispanic or black person, African-American, that the way these injustices occur in the world and in our country, it affects minorities even more. What if the miracle was that we acknowledge that there are systems in place in our country in which some people are just at a disadvantage and we work to change systems so it wouldn't just remain as it is? What kind of miracles could occur in the prison system if we didn't look for something that was unexplainable physically to happen that defied the laws of physics or science but what would a miracle look like if we had a justice system that treated people fairly or gave people a voice that didn't put certain segments of the population in jail with harsher sentences, even though they're doing the same uh, crime as other people, such as African-Americans with uh, marijuana use. They do it at the same rate as white people, but they are jailed 
much more likely, four times more likely to be arrested for it. You know, these are the kind of miracles we need in our world today that aren't dependent on a supernatural force to defy physics and science, but instead is something that impacts us that can be explained on how it is done. We just need to understand why it's important to do, and that is we are all God's creation. And I think then we would start doing the work that Jesus calls us to do, that we would say just as is equal, if not greater than the work Jesus would do during his lifetime. Remember, this is before the resurrection has occurred. This is during the rest of Jesus' life when he's out living among the people. I think about the shooting that occurred back in February of Ahmad Marbury. We just heard about it this week, right? Because the video came out. Two months, these people that point blank shot this African-American while he's out for a run just went around free because they weren't charged with this arrest. You know, we're able to so easily say that is what a way in which racism looks. What if the miracle would be we understand racism occurs in so many other ways in the world, and we need to learn to point out the ways that maybe aren't as obvious or as easy to point out, right? It's easy to say when someone gets shot on the street while going for a run, that is obviously racist, right? But it happens in so many other ways that honestly, as a white person, I would rather ignore, ignore or admit doesn't exist because it, if I do, my life is greatly disrupted. What if the miracle was that I had a change of heart to confront and admit the advantages and the privileges I have and that others don't have those? And outside of not just admitting it, I'm willing to work and to call out those systems that perpetuate these evils that are going on in our society that wouldn't defy the laws of physics and science. So maybe it wouldn't classify as a miracle the way we come to perceive them in scripture, but it is a miracle the world needs. And honestly, I need all the more. I love this quote from Desmond Tutu. There comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. And we need to go upstream and find out why they are falling in to begin with. It is easy at one point, right? I, and there's, it is so good work to do things like end for 60 hours of hunger, to support Operation Blessing or to Crossroads or all these programs that are making sure people have the basic needs that they need, right? But it's a Band-Aid. Wouldn't you rather live in a world in which a place like Crossroads isn't necessary? Wouldn't we rather live in a world in which we don't have to pack bags of food to give to kids to take home on the weekends because they're not going to have enough food there? That is the world that we are called to create. That is the world that God calls us to enter into. That is a world that I think Jesus gives us the power to do something about. It's not going to defy laws of science and physics but maybe it'll defy the conventional laws of love, which maybe is what the life, death, and resurrection of Christ is about. So often we look at the empty tomb. There's the miracle, right? 
Jesus died and somehow he rose again and the tomb was empty. We don't know how it occurred. What if the bigger miracle was Jesus even walking to the cross to begin with? We know how he got there, right? He walked. He carried his cross. The Roman government nailed him to it. People stood by and let it happen. But maybe the miracle is why Jesus let that happen to himself. The love that occurred within him to allow this horrible tragedy to take on death and evil and sin and for it to be transformed. A love that knows no bounds, a love that acts counter to what everybody says it should do, a love that doesn't act out of self-preservation, but acts what's in the be- acts in what is the best interest of the neighbor. That is the miracle I know I need in my heart that I believe the world needs in its in its life as well. That are thing, those are things that Jesus empowers us to do. To not be sitting back and looking for this miracle to happen that can't be explained physically, but maybe a action that can't be explained through regular, the way we all, perhaps love is perceived or action is perceived, humanity is perceived, that we're able to, as Christians, we see, we look outside of ourselves. And people aren't asking, how did you do it? They're asking, why did you do that? Why do you help those people? They don't deserve it. Why do you speak out and risk your reputation? Is it worth it? Why do you... Can you imagine if that's the way Christians spoke, Christians acted in the best interest of others and people looked at us and be like, I don't understand where their love and compassion and empathy comes from. I don't get how they can think of others as much as they do. That's the world that God entered into. That is the world that God hopes to create. That is the world that we are asked to participate in. That is the love that God acted in Jesus for all of the humanity, that God acted for you, for me, for all of us. And that is the love that we do our best to emulate in the world. Amen.